Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. I believe there's many people that walk into my life and into your life that are looking for help and they leave without help. Why? Because I haven't taken time to walk consistently with God. See, Jesus says it's not a problem. It's never a problem with God. It's a problem with you. And if you don't take time to walk with God, here's what gets destroyed. Your faith and my faith. The scriptures are right and true. They teach us that there's only one way to be saved, and it's by grace through faith in Jesus. There will be no lasting success in this life without Him. Sure, we can make a name for ourselves, be wealthy, have fame, but in the long run, this life means nothing without Jesus. When it's all said and done, when we're about to pass on from this existence, reality sets in. Nothing that we've obtained on this earth can be taken with us when we go. The only thing that matters at that point is how you lived your life. Did you choose to submit to the Creator of all things? Or did you choose to go your own way? Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now let's join Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9, verse 19, with our continuing study entitled, Life in the Valley. Are you learning fast enough? You see, what Jesus is trying to say to his disciples is, hey, catch on soon. Over here when you're young, you're here now. I'm pretty soon I'm leaving. Catch on. Be men of faith because your whole life is going to depend on a walk of faith. Get it now. As you look at your life this morning, maybe you can ask yourself the same thing. Are you and I? learning fast enough. The next point is this, faith in Jesus is necessary. We have here a group of three different groups. The first is the world in general, people. Then who else do we have? Jewish rabbis, which is a picture of the the church. And we have the world. And who else do we have? Nine disciples, all failed. And we have a picture of a father with his son, that has been convulsing. Now, what's wrong with that picture? Those three groups failed. Here's a father with a son who's there. If Jesus doesn't come, you can take a snapshot of that and blow it up and put it in the wall because nothing is ever going to change in that father and son's life. You see, unless you invite Jesus into your picture, nothing will ever change. The answer is Jesus. You see, some of you are there and you wonder if it can happen. Can your life change? Yes. But if Jesus is not a part of your life, it will either stay exactly like it is or get worse. Nothing will ever change without Jesus. So Jesus says basically you're a faithless generation. Let me give you a definition of faith quickly. It's this. 
Faith is the confidence that what God has said will indeed happen. Faith is the confidence that what God has said will indeed happen. Do you know that when you come to accept Jesus Christ into your life, many people have talked to me through the years and they said this, well, Pastor Mark, as you talk and I see that there's a kingdom of God and I want to be part of it and I want to accept Jesus Christ, I want to believe in the Bible, but I just have a hard time sometimes believing that and I don't know if I can take that step. Well, Ephesians says, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that faith in itself is a gift from who? From God. So here's what you want to do. If you'll be honest, whenever you come to that place where you're ready to accept Jesus Christ into your life, just say this, God, I want to believe. I want to believe. And you'll find yourself on the other side of the cross in God's kingdom. How many remember that? All of a sudden, there came the faith. You went, wow, I've been waiting all my life for it. Well, it's a gift from God. He even gives you the faith to believe in him. Is that incredible? And then Hebrews tells us he's the author and the finisher of our faith. So he's the one that I depend upon my whole life. Now, how do I get this faith? Well, you know the verse, Romans 10, 17. Just write it down. It says, faith comes by and hearing by the... Okay, let's read for that. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And then people say this, I don't need to go to church to serve God. Is that a dumb statement or what? Yes, it is a dumb statement. Because here you hear the Word of God. And what happens to your faith? It grows. So certainly you need to be here under the sound of the word. Certainly the word should be part of your life. That's where faith comes and that's where it grows. Look at verse 19. And Jesus continues on and he says something very important. Bring the boy to me. You think anything happened in the father's heart when that happened? You're there. Everything's failure. And Jesus says, bring the boy to me. Verse 20. So they brought him, and when the Spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. And he fell to the ground and rolled around foaming at the mouth. This kind of demon, we'll talk about later when we get to Ephesians and talk about demonology. I believe there are different ranks of demons, demons of principalities and powers were taught. Probably, in this case, this was a very difficult demon to cast out. Yet the moment this demon saw Jesus, what was the demon doing? He's looking for another house to rent. He knew it was over. He knew that Jesus was going to end his possession in this young man. Verse 21, And Jesus asked the boy's father, How long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. Now, why would Jesus ask that question? I believe one possibility is this. He wanted the crowd and his disciples and the Jewish people to say, look how long this young man has been bound in the kingdom of Satan. Look how long. Since how? Since he was a young boy. And what Jesus is going to show is this doesn't matter how long you've been in the kingdom of Satan. You can have instant deliverance from God. Does that say anything to anybody here this morning? You see, people say when they come 
And they're like this. They're without hope. I've been an alcoholic my whole life. I've been on drugs. You know, I've been fighting pornography since I was 13. And there's no reason. I just can't believe that God can change my life like that. My friends, nothing is impossible to God. And I believe he said this so that the people would go, this is not one of these cases that happened over the weekend. This is a difficult case. Can God do it? You know, nobody else could do. By the way, if you're here this morning with a long history of all of that, nobody else can do anything, but Jesus can. So this father then goes on, and as he's thinking about it, look what comes to his mind as always. Satan brings up the past, and he says this, in fact, it has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. You know, we read that. We can't even imagine what that's like, can we? You go out and your son comes home burned or half drowned, and you wonder what happened. Well, the demon was just taunting the parents because Satan has come to steal, kill, and destroy. Then the father says this, But if you can do anything... Take pity on us and help us. The Father's honest. He says, I came really believing that your disciples could do something for my son, but their failure caused me to doubt. This failure has attacked my faith. But notice, he says, if you can do anything, somehow when Jesus said, bring him to me, Something stirred in this man's heart. The word of God, Jesus saying, bring him to me, stirred faith. You see, that's what happens. That's why we need to be under the sound of the word. Even this morning as you're here, you're going, maybe there is hope in my situation. Maybe there is hope in my marriage that's on the rocks and over with, and there's just no way we can ever get back together. And as I said to you, God's word, and as this father heard Jesus say, bring the boy to me, God's word, that word, began to stir a little faith in the father who had had no faith. You see, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. And so all of a sudden, he issues something that sounds kind of like you and me. He says, but if you can do anything, it brings us to our next point that says this, don't limit God. Everything is possible. Jesus responds to this man's plea in verse 23, and he says this, If you can. So what Jesus really does is says this, Time out. Hold it. Hold it there, sir. Let's get a few things straight. If I can. And what Jesus is going to say to this man in a, in a loving way, a man with weak faith, wait a minute. This situation isn't a question about my ability to do anything. It's a question about whether you can believe that I can do anything. And then he says, everything is possible for him who believes. How much is all? In the Greek, what does all mean? Good, Greek scholars. In the Hebrew, what does all mean? Oh, now stop for a moment. You really believe that? Jesus said, everything is possible to him who believes. So Jesus says to this father, wait a minute. The problem is not me. The problem is 
You. See, the problem is never God. The problem is always us. And my faith, my weak faith. This challenged me as I studied it this week. How many of us are limiting God right now in our lives? There's an area when you say, well, God, you can do this, and you can do this, and you can do this, but this son or this daughter or this job situation, this money, this church situation, this health situation, you know, that's kind of an, one of those impossible places. It's just never going to change, God. I don't know what you put in your box, but Jesus says, tear the walls down of the box. Let's just put the playing field open. Everything's possible. You have to have faith to please God. I have to have faith to please God. Satan always likes to take things to the opposite extremes. So we have these people over here that are meaning well, but just teaching things that aren't godly. And then over here we have people who mean well and say, well, I'm not going to get into that, so I just won't believe in faith. Just come to church and let do whatever man can do. Hey, if we're here to do whatever man can do, we might as well go home and eat dinner right now. I'm here to do what God can do. And to do that requires faith in God. So what does Jesus mean by everything? Here's what he means. There's a limiter around everything. The book of John says, if you pray according to his will, he will answer. So you can't ever pray anything that's out of the character of God or out of the nature of God because he's not going to answer. Aren't you glad some of the things you prayed for he didn't answer? Man, I'm, I'm saved every day by that. Why didn't he do that? Because it wasn't his will for us. So there is a limiter. So Jesus is saying here, this boy needs to be healed. It is my will to heal him. And Jesus is really saying to the father, quit looking at your son and start looking to me. This morning, you need to stop looking at your problem and start looking at God. The next point is this. God even rewards weak but honest faith. God even rewards weak but honest faith. Look at verse 24. And immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Then he tacks on something that you and I know about. Help me overcome my unbelief. I like it. See, Jesus looks and he finds this father responding in an honest fashion. God wants us to be honest. Well, I'm a man of faith. I have all faith. Show me a mountain, I can move it. Right. What God wants, he knows you can anyway. He knows you're weak. He knows your unbelief. So this father goes, I want to believe. I do believe. But help my unbelief. He's honest. He says, I can see my son well. I can't hardly remember what that's like, but I can see him well. I can. But while that flash is in, I see him in the fire. I see him in the water. God, I believe, but help my unbelief. Now, what kind of a God do we have when he hears that weak faith? Verse 25, when Jesus saw that the crowd was coming to the scene, notice he didn't rebuke the Father. He rebuked the evil spirit. He honored the man's weak, honest faith. And he said to the spirit, you deaf and mute spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. Now, when we talk in Ephesians on demonology, you'll see why Jesus said to him, to the evil spirit, don't enter him again. 
Because, see, some people get exercised and there's a freedom and then they go right back into that world. And you have to be careful that you don't go back into that world again because the Bible tells us Satan will come with his demons and bring a whole gang to join the next time. So Jesus said something very important to the Father here. Your son has been delivered and he will be permanently delivered. Demon, you cannot come back in to this boy. Verse 26, the spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. And the boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, "Eh, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and he lifted him up and he stood up. You see, life is about Jesus and you. Life is about Jesus and me. When Jesus, listen, failure, church, disciples, Christians, the world, Father, when Jesus entered the picture, he brought new life. That's what Jesus does when he enters your life. Behold, all things are passed away and everything has become new. It's not the church. It's not you. It's Jesus. When Jesus entered the picture, this boy is changed. Now, the last thing I want to talk about this morning is this. Failure is not final. Failure is not final. Look at verse 28. And after Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately a smart thing. Why couldn't we drive it out? In other words, it bugged them. We had had this experience. We did it before. What was wrong, Jesus? Why did we fail? You know, it's a great thing. It's a great spiritual sign of maturity when you can say in your life, God, I failed. Why? Rather than trying to make excuses for your failure, just come to God and say, God, you know I failed. I know I failed. And notice the disciples did this privately. That's a good thing to do. But just say, God, I need help. Why have I failed? Jesus responds with patience. Basically, he says to his disciples, guys, thanks for asking. Failure isn't final. He didn't go out and say, okay, let's have a job hunt. Another 12 disciples, please. These guys move to the left. Let's get another group in here. Aren't you glad God didn't do that? We'd all be on the line looking for work, wouldn't we? But he says, failure isn't final. Failure should drive you to God. It has. Did you hear that? Failure should drive you to God. Not away from God. Satan will say to you, well, you just failed too much. I mean, God God doesn't want you to hear from you again. Look how many times you fail. No, failure should drive us to God. Because we realize there that failure shows us our need. Of God. They came to the right person. They knew that Jesus had the answer. Jesus has the answer for your life and your failures. And what does Jesus say? He says in verse 29, This kind can come out only by prayer. Well, what kind of an answer is that? Well, here's what he says. Notice when Jesus said to the demon, Jesus didn't get down on his knees and go, Oh, God. Now I'm asking for your power. In the name, in my name, in my name, come out. God help me here. Jesus didn't even pray. He just said to the demon, be gone. He rebuked him. He just said, be gone. What did Jesus mean by prayer? Here's what he meant. He said, disciples, you've mixed up 
prayer and a lifestyle of prayer. You see, my life is in communication with the Father at all times. In fact, you've heard me say, I don't do anything unless the Father tells me. And he says to his disciples, you relied on past experience. Well, we've done this before. This is a piece of cake. Come on, demon, move out. We've got the power. But you tried to rely on past experience, an old relationship with God. But this kind only comes out by prayer, a lifestyle of constant communication with God. You see, the picture that we saw earlier with the disciples failing and Jesus out of it brings us to a wonderful verse in John 15 that you know very much. And here's what it says. Without me, you can do. So what Jesus was saying is, when I'm not in the picture, you haven't been praying to God. You haven't have a lifestyle of God. You substituted your past victories even, a formula even, And how many of us go to a situation and God has many times challenged me in counseling. When I'm counseling a couple and then the next couple comes in and I go, oh, they give a problem. I say, eh, this is not going to be a problem. And to myself, this is the same problem I just dealt with. It's going to be easy. And God says, really? And I have to say, okay. You know, and I don't go, just a moment, let me zone in on God. Hmm. Notice Jesus didn't do any of this weird stuff that people did. Why? Because his time with God, where he really understood God, was done in secret, alone. So he says to his disciples, guys, here's what you've done. You've totally missed the daily renewal from the power of God. You've relied on your past, your own strength, a past relationship with God. Old manna doesn't get it done. Put yourself in the situation we saw this morning. You become one of the nine disciples. And as you look at that in your life, if you were one of the nine disciples, would you have failed in this situation? You see, that's where we live. And I want to challenge you this morning to think about what I just said. I believe there's many people that walk into my life and into your life that are looking for help and they leave without help. Why? Because I haven't taken time to walk consistently with God. See, Jesus says it's not a problem. It's never a problem with God. It's a problem with you. And if you don't take time to walk with God, here's what gets destroyed. Your faith and my faith. In the old days, you could believe in a formula or whatever. He would just pray for this person and this and this, and put the oil here and put a cross here. Oh, it's going to be healed. God isn't interested in that jazz. That's why he healed everybody different. Because he's wanted people to see it's not my touch. It's God's touch through my life. Jesus says to his disciples this, I'm going to the cross. The only way people are going to get from the kingdom of Satan to the kingdom of God is through the cross. You guys don't understand it? But I'm going to the cross. This life isn't meant to be walked alone. We're meant to walk with God. That way it doesn't matter if we're in the valley or on the mountaintop. As long as He is with us, we're in good hands. He's promised to never leave or forsake His children. He's promised to provide for their needs. And whether you're experiencing a trial or experiencing victory, 
there's still a peace that only He can deliver. Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series the next time you join us. For those of you that like to have CD archives of Bible teachings, we'd like to offer you a CD of Pastor Mark's message from today. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5. This is only to cover the materials and shipping it takes for you to receive your CD. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option. Now, here's Josh with today's message number and title. Thanks. The message number from today's broadcast is MB3137. The title of this message is Life in the Valley. Again, today's message number for ordering purposes is MB3137. The title of this message is Life in the Valley. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time here on Lessons for Living as we learn what it means to walk humbly with God. You see, we need to gain a little perspective. We oftentimes think too highly of ourselves. God is God and we are not. He is in control. He knows the beginning from the end. It is He who gives and takes away. Our Father is the one who blesses us with gifts and talents. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue sharing with us from the Gospel of Mark. That's next time on Lessons for Living. 